0: you so have that, so you can take it on some of your own. And uh, let's get ready to, to keep you to worship. All right. All good. Thank you, brother. How are you guys? Good. All right. Well, good, good. You know, this has been a crazy week for me not just working and serving and meeting with you guys and all that kind of stuff but it's one of those weeks when i learned something i really wasn't expected to learn and and uh i really can't wait to share with you the whole picture of the story that has kind of unfolded all day long My least favorite of which was the part that I got as I was doing kind of my final prep over my office about an hour ago, which was uh, don't do this, 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 and this, which was for the guy who works by a very strict outline, one of the most uncomfortable things in my life. But I believe God's got something really unique and special for you and me in this place today. It actually is going to begin with a question that, I'm just going to be honest with you, it makes me uncomfortable, uh, and I imagine it will you as well, even if you are just watching online, which is not a little thing, but it's a big thing. I'm glad you're watching, but in this room, I think you're probably going to be able to feel a little bit of tenseness in this place. This is just between you and Jesus, but this week, at any point since the last time I saw you and looked at your face has there been a moment when you know without a shadow of a doubt that you were completely disobedient to the Lord you knew it matter of fact you still feel it right here and you knew that you had not either done what he told you to do or You had refused his rules and you had decided to do things your own, your own way. It'd be a lot more fun if we just all raised our hands and said if that was us, it would free everybody else up, wouldn't it? But we're not going to do that. (laughs) Last week, we started on intimacy part one with the Holy One. This week is the second part. Last week is the part that's, that's really kind of fun and enjoyable. It's that spot where we're like, okay, Lord, I'm meeting with you. I'm in the cleft of the rock. I just want to see your holiness. And in that, we get to see his holiness. And in that, we get to experience his love. We get to know that he's here with us. We get the presence of a holy God. We get the, all the goods. All the things that make us smile, all the things that I'm going to heaven someday. Those things that we refuse to let go of and that we cling to so tight that happen when we get into that intimate spot with the Lord. And we love it and we ought to and we ought to yearn for that. That ought to be part of what we go after in this life. And and I'm just curious. If there's more to it than that, and it's more difficult than that, do you still want in? If it's going to cost you, if it's going to be uncomfortable, if it's going to be something that you just don't want to be a part of, are you still in hundred percent like you were to get into that spot? Are you willing to get in like that? Today, We're looking at that other side of intimacy with the Lord. And while we may prefer all the good stuff, this side is so necessary. It's part of it. We have to hear from the Lord when we've blown it. We have to hear from the Lord when we are uncomfortable. But it will always be necessary, a necessary part of walking with the Lord. And I'm just going to say it up front, I think you ought to be very thankful when those moments happen. Kind of like when the Lord takes you to the woodshed, and we don't like the part when, when discipline has to happen in our lives, when we have to be uncomfortable in our lives. But yet it is necessary, and I, want, I just want to remind you, if that's happening in your life, that's really good news. That is evidence of the very Spirit of God who's doing that convicting, because why in the world would the enemy do that to you? He's not going to. That's the Holy Spirit of God doing that. So, a couple of notes as we dig in, because we're going to get into some kind of, some kind of deep stuff. It's a fun story, but it's a very real thing that happened. Matter of fact, um, some of us in this mind, in our minds, when we read these stories, if you will, from the Old Testament, we think that they're just that. Somebody made this up to help us learn something. And I just want to make this crystal clear. It's not that kind of story. This is real life stuff that happened. This is an event that happened thousands of years ago and we have recordings of it. Now, one of the things that makes this one so real is when we get to the end of this numbers passage that we're looking at today, you're gonna see something really cool because thousands of years later, it is recorded again in the New Testament. I'm just saying, it's not just a story. It's a historical event. This is a news capture of what happened in the Old Testament. So the event that we're looking at today happened about 40 years after Moses saw the glory of God. So the hole in the cleft of the rock, his hand hiding him, he didn't get to see the backside of God. This is 40 years after that, while he's hiding in the cleft of the rock in that era. Ironically, it's just a short time before... Moses does actually get to see the Lord face to face because death is just on the horizon for him. So we're in Numbers chapter 20. I hope that you've got your copy of the word with you this morning. If you do, please take it out. In a minute, we're going to read it all together in just a minute. I want to start off here right now. But Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 1 is where we're starting. And, And again, it gives us a little more history of what's going on. In the life of Moses, it says this In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. Now, some of you already know, some of you need to know who was Miriam and why is it a big deal that she has passed away. Well, let's go back before we go forward. The big deal is, is that they are back in the wilderness. They were, I don't know if you remember, but they were headed to the promised land. But if you don't remember, what kept them from the promised land was a refusal to obey the Lord. It was a lack of faith that, that sent them back into this spin to spend another, well, to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Well, then it says that uh, Miriam died and it's a big deal for Moses, this is his sister. And so they buried her there and they move on. Now, Numbers chapter 20, verse two and following, there there was no water for the people to drink at that place. This is where they were, where they just buried Miriam. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And the people blamed Moses and they said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with your brothers. If we could just died, it would have been all better. But no, we're still living and now we're in the wilderness and it's a whole lot worse. Verse 4, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die? Why have you brought us in here to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain. It has no figs. It has no grapes. It has no pomegranates. It has no water to drink. So we had it good when we were captives and now we're free, sort of, but we got nothing, including water to drink for us or our animals. So. Why would, a, why would a good God send his own chosen people to a place that didn't have what they need? Great question, right? Why would a good God do that? Because surely a good God wouldn't do that. Well, let's go on and think a little bit further. I mean, how could he send them to a place where they can't even survive? And it appears they have little food. The biggest problem, no water for them and no water for their animals. If you don't have water for your animals, what happens to your animals? You die. And the barbecues end real quick because everything dies at one time. So the the people are hot. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally and emotionally. They are angry at Moses and Aaron because they're the mouthpieces of God, specifically Moses. And they are are absolutely ticked off at them. Now, why do you make us leave Egypt, the place where we were there in bondage? Why did you make us leave there? Now, you just sang a song about what he's already done. And it talks about the manna that he provided for the Israelites while they were free, but roaming in the desert, in the wilderness. I think we miss sometimes that God provides for us even when we can't see it. I think we miss sometimes that God provides for us and he does things for us so that we will trust him. And sometimes he doesn't provide for us in ways that we think he ought to so that we will what? Trust him. Because we're Americans and we got this. We can do it until we can't. I want you to realize, I want you to recognize how powerful this word is. I want you to know that this word is for you. I want you to know that what God has written in here is not just for the Israelites. But it's for you. So I want you to take your Bibles right now. Numbers chapter 20. Verse 6 and following, and I want to ask you to stand up with me right now in the honor of reading his word. I want us never to forget the value, the power that comes in his word. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 6, and it says this, And Moses and Aaron turned away from the people, and they went to the entrance of the tabernacle. They went to a good place. That's a good call. They went to the right place. They went to where the Lord was. And then it says, where they fell face down to the ground. All right. Calling that another good call. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. Anybody want that? I do. Right now. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community And as the people watch, look what happens. Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out water. (laughs) And you will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the truth that is in it help me as I unfold this but by the power of your Holy Spirit may you speak to every person in this room and online because we need to hear this truth today you are the provider not us, you and you demand our obedience or it will cost us help us get it, speak to our lives and then help us to respond to you in the holy name of Jesus we pray, amen Please be seated. Thank you for honoring God's word in this moment. So what do we do when we don't have the answer? What do we do when we don't have the resources? What do we do? Maybe we make this real personal. What should we do when we don't have the answer? Just do it our own way, come up with our own way, create our way, make it, make it happen happen. Or should we do what Moses and Aaron did and actually go to the Lord with it? God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I'm going to take it to you. But that's not what we do. It's not what I do. I'm running low on money. What do I do? I come up with a way to get more money on my own. A relationship's not going the way that I want it to. I come up with a creative way to make it work the way I want it to. The job's not exactly what I'm looking for. Well, then I force it. I don't go pray about it. I force it. I go do what I want to do. I do it my way. And I think in that, we lose. So, just think about what happened here. They went to the Lord. And I'm calling that a great first step. They went to the right place. And then... They fell on their face before the Lord. And I'm calling that a fantastic second step. You go and you humble yourself before the Lord. And then they waited on the Lord to speak. That's perfect. Because usually we walk in with verbal guns blazing at the Lord. you got to fix this. But they waited to hear the Lord speak. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you notice what didn't happen? Moses and Aaron never asked for anything. You know why? Because God already knew exactly what they needed. And if he knew what Moses and Aaron needed, guess what else he knows? He knows exactly what you need. Now, I'm not saying we don't ask for it. I'm just saying we don't go in with verbal guns blazing. We sit and we wait. We trust him. Sometimes we just stop and be quiet. Sometimes we go take that walk, whatever we have to do, to get into intimacy with the Lord rather than just trying to force our own way to make sure that it gets done the way we think it ought to happen. And then they're given instructions. I want you to take my staff that's right outside the tent here. I want you to gather all the people together. I want you to speak to that specific rock. And it will pour out water. All right, great plan. We show up, we fall on our face, the Lord speaks. We take the staff and he's given us clear instructions. So here we go. So verse 9 says this, so Moses did as he was told. All right, good step. And then he took the staff from the place where it was kept right before the Lord. And then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and to gather at the rock. I'm calling it all good to right there. But then I want you to notice what he does and what he says. (laughs) Moses says... As a matter of fact, he shouted, Listen, you bunch of rebels. Must we bring water from this rock? Me and my my brother Aaron here, must we bring water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and he struck the rock twice with the staff. And water gushed out. And so the entire community and the livestock drank their fill. Do you see what just happened? Do you see what didn't happen? Now I want you to think about it because some of you might have just missed this. Moses did what he was told or, or did he? He took the staff. He and Aaron gathered all the people. And then Moses let them have it. Where was that in the instructions from the Lord? It wasn't there at all. It, it even implied, it wasn't there at all. And then he says that crazy phrase, are we going to are we gonna have to, to get water for all you guys, me and Aaron? Are we going to have to make this happen? And so he strikes the rock with the staff and the water gushes out now. I don't want you to hear what I say. I want you to hear what the Lord said to Moses and Aaron about this. Listen, because you did not trust me enough. I'm just telling you, that gets us in trouble all the time. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Matter of fact, verse 13, it's a haunting verse. I want you to listen to this. This place was known as the waters of Meribah. And it doesn't sound like much right there, but hang on. It gets worse. It means arguing. because Because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord. And there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Now here's the part where this connects to last week's message on intimacy with the Lord. Moses and Aaron had purposely gone to meet with the Lord. It was their only reason. They needed him. They went to him. He met with them. Immediately, I think, well, they kind of halfway obeyed, but halfway obedience is still, I mean, if your kids disobey you and they halfway obey you, is that okay, obedience? No, it's disobedience. It's disobedience, and that's what we do to the Lord. That's what they did to the Lord. I have no clear idea where this second talk with the Lord takes place, but the Lord speaks clearly. And it's a talk nobody wants to hear, but it's one that we have to have and one that we need to hear from our Savior. It's such a big deal that David talks about it in Psalm 95. And if you've ever been to Psalm 95 and read Psalm 95, it's actually a a, a praise psalm. Like the first five or six verses in it. It's a praise psalm. But then it shifts in verse 7b of Psalm 95. It says this, and you can see it up on the screen if you don't have it with you right there. It says, if only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah. This is hundreds of years later. It's referring to the same place. Don't harden your hearts like the people did at Meribah as they did at Massa in the wilderness. And that's just more specific, the location where it is. So Meribah is a big deal. Matter of fact, I kind of want this word to haunt us this week. Meribah, M-E-R-I-B-A-H. It means rebellion. It means to argue with the Creator. It means to not only argue, but in your actions, you disobey the one who made you, the one who holds you together. It means when he says, do this, you said, nope. And this is a huge deal, not just for Moses and Aaron, but for us as well. And I think it goes back to the first part of those verses we just read because it says, because you did not trust me enough. And that will get you in so much trouble. Because you did not trust me enough. I got three things here. They're in your outline if you got them. If not, I hope you'll just jot them down somewhere. I think they'll be helpful to you if you will. The first one is this. Our disobedience to God is the direct result of our lack of faith. Every single time we disobey God, it's not just this bad part of our old human nature, it, it's a refusal to, to trust the Lord. That's what it actually is. So, because Because I was going to, this is what God is saying to him, because I was going to demonstrate my holiness, my my set-apartness, my my uniqueness, my ability to do what no one else can do, you will not lead them into the promised land. There was a cost to this, of their disobedience, because I was going to demonstrate my holiness. What was his holiness? You speak to the rock, and I will make the water gush out of the rock. But Moses takes that staff, and he just whips that rock twice. And the people are like, look what Moses just did. They never said it, but they said it. They said it with their lives. But he said, because of that, you will not get to lead them into the promised land. And when, you, when, when we know what God desires and we choose another way, that is unbelief. So Moses was ticked off at the people and their lack of faith. God knew his people were stubborn even Moses and Aaron, no surprise. It's like Moses decided, no, God, I got a better plan. These people need a, a tongue lashing. These people actually need to see that I, I can do this. And so he did his own thing. Think about the irony. <laughs> Moses was angry because... God's people had a lack of faith. But I just want to ask a question. Who had a lack of faith? Yes. Moses did. Aaron did. All the people of Israel did. They all did. And and who has a lack of faith in this room? Well, clearly it's y'all. But it's also me. It's our lack of faith that leads us to that rebellion thing, that leads us to a place that we would call Meribah. It leads us there. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I being like stupid, stubborn about that the Lord has specifically told me to do? And why? Will I not trust him? I mean, I don't care if you're 15 or 75 in this room. Guess what? He's not only put you together, but he's held you together all this time. You are still alive today because of him. Here's another thing I see. When others witness our disobedience, God's glory is diminished. When when we don't reverence the holy God, when we don't recognize him for his holiness, when we don't let him do his thing, here's how it says it in Numbers 20 and verse 12 again. Because you did not trust me enough, To demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. That's what I was going to do. I was going to demonstrate how holy I am. And you did something so that you would get the credit for it. Not necessarily on purpose, but you did it. And because you did that. See, the Lord's focus for the people was his power. What he would do for them. But Moses didn't speak to the rock. He hit the rock. And water still blew. So God's holiness still happened. And Moses had to know it at that moment because he knew just him beating on that rock wasn't going to do anything. Never claim for yourself what only belongs to the Lord, namely his holiness and his glory. Cause when we do, we put a veil. Over the face of those who are desiring to see who God is. And his realness and his holiness and his miracles. And when we take credit for it. We lose because God is still holy. He's no less holy. We just put a veil up in front of it. Was God any less holy? No. He's perfectly holy. But by his actions, he took their eyes off the Holy One. When we don't treat God as holy, others won't see God as holy. Think about that. When we don't treat him as holy, others won't see God as holy. Here's the last one. Disobedience will result in painful consequences. It's the last time that Moses was told he would not leave the Israelites in the promised land. That doesn't mean Moses is not going to the promised land because the promised land is, well, we're waiting for the promised land still. And by faith, by faith, Moses is there now. But the, the, physical, the physical promised land that, we're, that, that the Israelites were waiting for over and over again in the Old Testament, it's the last time that he would hear that he would never get to go there. But does God forgive? I mean, doesn't God forgive? I mean, 1 John 1, 9, isn't that true even way back then? I mean, isn't it true that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Yes, by the power of the blood of Christ on the cross that was shed for us to cover the transgressions of our sin. That is what happened. And that's what Moses was looking forward to. That's what Abraham was looking forward to. Matter of fact, he's struggling with that one. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Read the, the, the beautiful picture of faith that happened from those that were looking forward to what they, they couldn't even know exactly what was coming. But they were looking forward to what was coming. They knew that was what had to happen. But we keep going there. Wherever that place is of disobedience. And our habit, whatever our habit is, it tarnishes, it tarnishes God's holy name. Our sinful habits. It gets in the way of the glory of God, the glory of Christ. But the consequences are real. And they will hurt and they will cost us. So Moses saw it right there, no promised land for him. You may be living this right now. You may realize there's some things in this life that you'll never get to experience because of things that have been very real in your life and that have gone wrong. But did you notice that Moses never stopped living for the Lord? And and you've gotten to see the other side of it on the cross where the veil has been torn from the top to bottom where you can appro- boldly approach the throne of god you know how it ends you just sang it i know how this story ends you've already won he's he's won we know that but when life happens like that we just want to quit don't quit Let me make this just a little more real and bring it into the New Testament for just one second. How does this historical event in the life of Moses affect us today? You see, Moses was the mouthpiece uh, that that was for the people of Israel. They were offered that same relationship with God, but they refused it. They said, Moses, you just speak to us. And, And what seems apparent to me in all this is they heard all the rules But they missed the fact that God truly wanted to have a relationship with them. And I think a lot of us struggle with this today with our relationship with the Lord, but also with our relationship with our children. Josh McDowell said this decades ago, two or three decades ago now. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And it wasn't God's fault that they didn't have a relationship with him. They chose not to. And so that veil is still there even today for so many. Of God's chosen people, the Jews. Do you realize that the relationship with Jesus, do you realize that, that the relationship that he wants you to have, that's what he died for? Have you, have you gotten to the point so that you can trust Jesus like that? If you hadn't, what in the world are you waiting for Repent and believe today. Trust Him. And, and maybe ask this question, how am I disobeying the Lord right now? Psalm 95 and 7 again. If only you would listen with your voice today, the Lord says, don't harden your hearts as the people did at Meribah, as they did at Manasseh in the wilderness. You know it seems like that would be a perfect place to end but I was reading and I've been in the book of Hebrews for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And the writer of Hebrews brings this up again. So it's gone from Numbers and the Pentateuch in the first bit of history to the Psalms with King David. And here we are with the writer of Hebrews. I believe it's Paul writing in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. And he repeats this same thing over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, four times in two chapters. He says these words, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Translation, Meribah. And then he says it again in Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, uh, verse 3. He says, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place. And Then you skip down just a couple of verses in verse 7 and he says this, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And he's already said he repeats the exact same thing again back in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. I've just got a question for you. Will you listen to his voice today? Or are you going to harden your hearts? Are you going to choose your way? Or are you going to choose his way? No matter what the decision is, are you going to choose your way? Or are you going to choose his way? Because if you choose your way, if it goes good, The glory lands on you. And all glory to God. All of it goes to him. Remember back in the very beginning, he is the one and the angels sang it right. He is holy, holy, holy. And our disobedience says we don't trust you enough. If there's a place where you need to trust him enough today, it's this. Lord Jesus, I realize who I am and I realize what I'm not and if I need nothing else this day I need this I need you I need what you did on the cross for me so I repent I change my mind I turn away from not trusting from going my own way and I turn to you I trust you by, by faith alone by your grace Because I can't fix this. So in this moment, I give my life to you. If that is you, you need to make that right today. It's a matter of trust. Drew will be down here. I will be down here if you need to talk to someone. If you've got a friend here that you trust and you know they know the Lord, you can go talk to them. Just make sure you get your life right with him this day. Some of you, it's an act of obedience. You, you would say, I have trusted Christ. But I've held back on following Him in what we call believer's baptism. It means after you've trusted Christ, you let the world know what Christ has done in your life through the waters of baptism. It's not magic, it's obedience. And some of us in this room, we've just got other stuff going on in our life and we keep choosing to go our own way. This is a day to lay that down at the altar and say, Lord not today not today will i cling and continue to be disobedient to you i will change that today but i can't i need your power i need the power of your holy spirit that can only do this work in my life and i need you to do that today that may happen as you kneel at your seat there where you are at the at the altar of our steps right here whatever needs to happen you get it right with the lord this day i want you to stand with me please Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we need you at this moment. May we not trust in ourselves, but trust in you. Their faith was not enough. They did not trust enough. May we trust you enough today. Your Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit in Jesus' name. If God speaking you respond to him.